0: This morning our reading is out of Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. It's on the screen, and it says, Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul or, what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my, word, and, and my words in this um, adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. The Word of the Lord. Daniel? Thank you.
1: Good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Good. Feeling good? You have a good Thanksgiving? Yeah, maybe, kind of. <laughs> All right, so this or this last week I had the privilege of putting up Christmas lights for the first time. So uh, we just bought a house in March, so I was very excited about the prospect of putting up lights. So last weekend we planned for it. We had this great plan to put up this great light show on our house, and I planned to do it on Tuesday because I'm the college pastor here, so I had this week off because it's Thanksgiving break for you and I. So I planned to do it on Tuesday. Um, it was the day that worked for me. But then I woke up and the winds were blowing at like 25 miles an hour. And it was like 30 degrees outside. Uh, so I started to kind of kind of dread the putting up of the lights. And then also, I have this big fear of heights. And so I've been up a roof probably like three times in my life, and there's no one home to help me get up. Usually I have someone holding the ladder. But I had this plan and I had to do it uh, to put up these lights. And, and I was you know dreading it a bit. But then once I got up there the first time and got those lights clipped, uh, there's this uh, sense of joy that began to just well up inside of me as I was putting up a great uh, Christmas light show. And I went up and down seven times. And our light show is pretty good, I have to say. But, uh, but I think it's funny because I was really dreading it uh, going up there. But then at the end, I had this intense joy. Like, I loved it when Emily came home and I got to turn on the lights. And I was like, hey, check this out. I did this for you and also for me. And there was this feeling of uh, satisfaction and joy. And I think that's actually true of life. I think Uh, There's a lot of times there's things that we don't want to do, but then when we do them, we feel joy from doing that thing that uh, we just originally did not want to do. And I think it's true spiritually, too. There's things that Jesus calls us to do. There's hard things that he calls us to do. We've been talking about that uh, during this series. And at first, we don't want to do those things. You know, this morning, I'm talking about dying to self. So that doesn't sound too fun on the Sunday after Thanksgiving. But, uh, But yeah, it's a hard thing, this idea... Of dying to yourself, but then when we do this, when we die to self, when we die to the world, when we die to our sins, joy begins to well up inside of us, and also we get eternal life. So there's this paradox in the kingdom when we do things that we don't want to do originally, that after we do them, we feel joy. So today and this morning, I'm going to kind of call us to that. I'm going to call us to this idea of doing things that we don't want to do. What a good message going into Christmas season, as the temptation to buy a bunch of stuff is blowing up inside of us. I went uh, Black Friday shopping. I think that's a sin, but, uh, <laughs> but I did go Black Friday shopping, and there's this urge inside of me to buy everything that I saw, you know, put it on the credit card. It'll be okay. But I had to keep saying no to myself, and today I'm glad I said no a lot of times. I did buy a few things, but I'm feeling pretty good that I said no. But uh, but yes, yeah, so my prayer for all of us this morning is that each of us would follow God's will for our lives, even when it's hard that each of us would do the hard things that Jesus asks us to do. And I don't want us to do that just because the Bible says to do these hard things. I don't want to do it just uh, so we can please God. But instead, I want each of us to do that because I know from my experience that that when we do these hard things, that's when we find the best life. That's why I want to do it. John 10.10 says that Jesus came to give us life and to give it to us to the full. So Jesus says, if you do what I've asked you to do, you're going to have life and have it abundantly. And then Deuteronomy 10, 13 says that God's commandments are for our good. So that's why I want to call us into that this morning. You know, submitting to God and doing things that we don't want to do seems bad, but I promise you when you do these things that you're going to find joy in life. So uh, the main idea this morning is this. If you're taking notes, I'm a college pastor, so students are in class all day, and we have service. I did They're at 8 o'clock at night, and they're pretty tired, so I give them a main idea. So if they want to take a nap afterwards, they can. You can do that if you want. So here's the big idea this morning. You put it up on the screen. In order to live, we must first die. That's the main idea. So before I jump into this passage, though, I just want to say how grateful I am to have the opportunity to speak. Uh, It's just a privilege and an honor to share with you guys. I'm so grateful to be part of this church. Uh, We've been going here for the past six months or so, and it's been a true joy and i'm really thankful for our pastors uh, i think they've been doing a really good job can we just give them a clap just to say how much we are thankful for them um, all right so let's pray this morning before i jump in to the scripture god i thank you for your presence i thank you that uh, when you call us to do these hard things it's not just to please you or to check off these boxes or to get divine brownie points But instead, God, it's because when we do the things that you ask us to do, we'll find joy and we'll find life. God, I think that you've come not to judge us or condemn us, but you've come to give us life and to give it to the full. God, I pray this morning that you would call us into this spot of doing things that are hard uh, and dying to self-sin in the world. And I pray that uh, when each of us do that, that we would truly find joy in life. So Holy Spirit, I ask you to speak this morning. I just ask you to do your thing. I pray that this wouldn't be uh, just a message from me, but a message from you. God, I thank you in your name. Amen. All right. So I'm going to try to drive this point home, this big idea, through three points, okay? and So the first thing is this this morning. Following Jesus is a call to die. Following Jesus is a call to die. This may seem counterintuitive. You know, isn't following Jesus supposed to be about just realizing every dream we have, every desire we have? You know, we've been told in the church often that if you you know, raise your hand, you pray a prayer of salvation, then everything's going to go well in your life. You're going to be healthy. You're going to be prosperous. But that's just not the gospel. That's not uh, the message that Jesus came to give us. Instead, Jesus came and said, if you die, if you give up your life, that's where you'll find life. And, he's, and also for as uh, many people throughout church history, their lives did not end well. They did not end well. You think about the early church these men and women were being crucified, they were being killed for their faith. So that's not quite like the message we hear oftentimes in our churches in America, where it says, if you pray for salvation, everything's good. No, following Jesus is ultimately a call to die. And I do want to say that it's not completely untrue that that when you follow Jesus, that you do realize your dreams. There are these, it's pretty amazing when you begin to follow Jesus, what happens is God begins to transform your desires, and you begin to desire things of God. You begin to desire God's dreams for your life, and you get to see God move in incredible ways. I think about the ways that God has moved in my life in miracles, and and, uh, just doing amazing things. So, following Jesus is amazing. I want you to know that. It's the most amazing thing that you could ever do, but the way to get there is through dying to yourself and dying to your desires. You know, Jesus hasn't called us to live a self-centered life. He hasn't called us to live a comfortable life. He hasn't called us to live a carefree life. God's not a divine vending machine waiting to Or to give us everything we want. And that's because He's too good for that. God is too good to give us everything we want. He's way too good for that. Instead, God, just like any good father who says, sometimes He's not going to give us every single thing we want. God is a good father, and He knows what's best for us, and He knows that our self centered desires and our idea of the good life is not always going to actually lead to life. But God knows when we lay down our life for Him and for others, that's where we'll find life. So He calls us into that. And that can be difficult, that can be hard. But I think there's really three things about this dying that I think uh, Jesus tries to get at in the scriptures and the different writers of the New Testament try to get at. So there's three different aspects. The first thing is this, and it's dying to self, as I said, dying to self-centered desires. And, And when I say dying to self, I mean dying to the idea that the world revolves around us. Like, how many of us live in this world, including me? I'm really selfish. I've been realizing that this week. I'm like, holy cow, I'm super, super selfish. I was talking to Emily last night before bed. I'm like, I don't even think I should be able to preach this message because I'm so stinking selfish. Like, we are so selfish. Like, like, we're made to think that the world revolves around us. We have this self-centered worldview. So Jesus calls us to die to that. He calls us to die to our comfort, to this idea that he's just there to give us everything we want. He calls us into this place where we need to give up our lives and, and to surrender them. You think about the two great commandments. The first one is to love God. The second one's to love people. They're both about denying yourself and loving someone else over yourself, right? To love God. So this vertical love, and then to love people, this horizontal love. That's where we find life. That's uh, what God has called us into. That's what it means to die to self, to love God and to love people over yourself. So in Mark chapter eight, verse 34, our text this morning said, then he called the crowds to him along with his disciples and said that whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves take up their cross, and follow me. So today, the cross is something we wear as jewelry, and it symbolizes God's ferocious love for humanity, right? And that's true. The cross, you know, symbolizes Jesus' love as he lays down his life on the cross. But for the disciples and for these early church followers, the cross did not symbolize love. The cross, rather, was a symbol of the Roman oppression. And it was designed to punish criminals and to put down rebellions. In Jesus' time, Rome was the occupying state in Israel. They were oppressing them. They were controlling them. They were uh, having the Israelites live according to their rules and not to the ones that they wanted to follow. And the way that they oppressed the Jews and put them down was through crucifying people who would rebel. So in Jesus' time, uh, this cross wouldn't symbolize, you know, love and feeling good and forgiveness. Instead, it symbolizes this oppression. And, And many Jews expected that God would send a king, that God would send a Messiah, that's what they called him, the Messiah, to come and to overthrow Rome and to set up an earthly kingdom, to, to restore Israel's kingdom. So the disciples were thinking that Jesus might be that person. He might finally be the one who's going to sack Rome and set up a new Israel kingdom, a new Israelite kingdom. But instead, Jesus says just a few verses prior to verse 34, he says that I'm actually not going to do that, but instead I'm going to be put up on a cross, I'm going to die and then rise again three days later. And then here in verse 34, he calls the disciples down this same path, this path of self-denial, not the path of overthrowing Rome, but instead the path of laying down their lives so that Rome might be saved and so that the world might be saved to lay down their lives, to to take up their cross, to take up the symbol of oppression, to say, I'm gonna put my desires here, I'm gonna put uh, my comfort here, and instead bear suffering and sacrifice so that the world might be saved, so that the world might see God's love through my sacrifice and through my relinquishment of my life. So taking up your cross symbolizes this complete self-denial, this total relinquishment of your life to Jesus. It means to give up everything for him. And this would have been so relevant for the time of the writing of uh, the Gospel of Mark is uh, it was written about 25 years after Jesus ascended to heaven and the church was being persecuted like crazy. They were being put up on crosses. They were being crucified for their faith. So when uh, the people read this Gospel at the very beginning when it was first written, it was especially relevant. It really meant that if you're gonna follow Jesus, you might have to die for this, physically die, not just give up my comfort, or give up my selfish desires or not buy a bunch of stuff on Black Friday, but instead to actually be crucified to actually be killed for your faith. That's what Jesus is calling them into. He's saying, if you want to be my disciple, then you have to follow me down the same path, which could lead to death. And Jesus still calls us today to lay down our lives. And I don't think many of us are gonna have to die for our faith, or probably not any of us, unless something changes, but, but he calls us down this path of self-denial. He calls us down this path where we lay down our lives so that the world could be compelled To follow him through our sacrifice. So the second thing is it's a call to die to sin. So the first aspect is you die to self. The second aspect is you die to sin. And there's two great uh, different errors that the church falls into and, and I fall into. We all fall into these two errors on one end of the spectrum or the other. So try to place yourself as I explain these. The first one is legalism. So legalism is this idea that to be a Christian means that you must do good things in order for God to love you. If you don't drink, smoke, have sex, or go to movies, then God might love you. That's legalism. It's this idea that you have to do a bunch of stuff, and then God might decide to love you. And many of us fall into this error. Uh, We seek to do just enough good things so that God will give us brownie points and we'll be good enough for Him. But the thing is, when we try to do good deeds out of a motivation to just please God and to not be punished, we can't actually do those good deeds because our motivation is driven by fear and fear is not a very good motivator. It's not a motivator that, that's actually going to lead us to, or to be able to live holy because our hearts have to be inflamed with God's love and that has to be what compels us to do good things, not fear or punishment. We can't do good things and then as we try to do good things out of this, uh, this driver of fear and guilt, then we're going to fail, which then leads to shame and guilt, which then leads to the cycle of being enchained to sin, and being enchained to the law. So that's legalism. The second one is licentiousness. So this idea of licentiousness tells us that God's grace enables us to do just whatever we want to do. We think that if Jesus is forgiving, and, and if he has grace, and he forgives us, then why do we have to live holy? And the reason we get tripped up in this way is we often misunderstand God's grace. God's grace is not just a get-out-of-hell-free card, okay? It's not just saying, hey, I'll forgive you, then go do whatever you want, because I don't really care how you live. Instead, God's grace is not just for pardon and forgiveness, but it's also for power and for holiness. God's grace enables us to live holy. As followers of Jesus, we're not called to simply be consumers who are trying to get a ticket to heaven. Instead, we're God's children, and we're his ambassadors on the earth, and we're representing him in seeking to bring his kingdom to earth through the way we live our lives. So God's not called us into legalism where we try to do good things to earn his love. And he's also not called us into licentiousness where we just do whatever we want because we're forgiven. Instead, we're called to be forgiven through the cross and then respond to that forgiveness by saying, I am going to put sin to death in my life. I'm not going to allow sin to reign in my life. And that doesn't mean you're perfect. That's not what it means. I'm not perfect. I screwed up a lot this week. I really screwed up a few times. I'm like, wow, God, I stink. So it's not being perfect but instead of saying when I sin I'm not going to let that sin reign in the dark and not tell anybody about it but instead I'm going to confess it to others and say this is in my life and I need it to get out and then people pray for you it says in James 5:16 it says therefore confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed so God calls us in this into this putting to death of sin there's far too many followers of Jesus in our day that just think hey I can live however I want you know as long as I go to church on Sunday like God's grace is great and I can just do whatever I want throughout the week, but God does not call us into that. It's extremely difficult to live a life that's free of sin's grip when we fall into these errors, and if we don't have an adequate understanding of who we are in Christ. So what changes our fight against sin is not pulling up your bootstraps and saying, I'm going to try harder, but it changes the fight when we go from operating as these spiritual orphans who are, one, trying to earn divine love through our deeds, which is, you know, legalism. Or two, trying to do just enough to get into heaven, like, hey, I'm good. Like, I just do a few things, I pray a prayer, I'm good. But instead, you go from this spiritual orphanage to being a son or daughter of God. You have this understanding that God calls you daughter. God calls you son. And if he calls you son or daughter, then you should live in a way that's like your father. You should live in a way that says, hey, my dad is so proud of me. My dad loves me. My dad just wants the best for me. So I'm going to obey him and follow him and just live my life in gratitude towards him. So Romans 8, 14 through 16 talks about this idea of adoption, this idea of being a son or daughter of God. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God or the children of God. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a child of God. Get that inside of you this morning. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again, but then rather the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship or daughtership. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, which just means Daddy, pretty much. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we're God's children. So when we put our faith in Jesus, sin dies in us. He declares sin dead already, and we become sons and daughters of God. Shame and guilt is covered through God's grace. We're given a new heart that actually wants to please God. Uh, We're given God's Spirit, which gives us the power to live for God. And we go from being an orphan who's looking and just pondering, is there someone out there who loves me? Is there a God who loves me? Does God really think highly of me? And we go from that to having this deep understanding that God calls us a son or daughter. And he's a really, really good dad. So if he's a really, really good dad, then he loves us no matter what we do. But this doesn't free us to then just do whatever we want. Instead, it causes love and gratitude to well up inside of us. And then we begin to want to live a life of holiness. We want to live a life that pleases our Father. So Jesus destroys the power of sin over our lives. He takes shameful and turns it into forgiven. He takes a dead heart and he makes it alive. He takes a spiritually dormant spirit and fills us with his Holy Spirit. And he takes lost orphans who are desperate for love and calls them his kids, and then his kids want to please their dad. So if we've tasted God's grace, if we've experienced his adoption and we truly know God is our Father, then we can't possibly choose to live in habitual, unrepentant sin. We can't. There's no place for that in the kingdom of God. You cannot live in habitual, unrepentant sin. Now some of us are struggling with habits that we're repenting of. That's one thing. But you can't just say, I'm going to live in this sin. I'm just going to do my life this way, and God's not going to tell me what to do. That's not a follower of Jesus. That may be a Christian, but that's not a follower of Jesus. Instead, we are so compelled by God's love that we reject our sin, we turn from it, and we run towards Jesus every single time. And as we do that over and over again, sin begins to lose its grip, and we live a life that's dead to sin. The third thing we got to die to this morning is the world. This is really relevant with it being Christmas shopping season. So we don't only die to self-centeredness, we don't only die to comfort, we don't only die to sin, but we also die to the world in the pursuits of the world through seeing a better, more meaningful way. So Mark 8, 36 through 37 says, what good is it for someone to gain the world and forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So the world tells us, seek out fame, seek out fortune, popularity, success. But the way of Jesus says, seek out one person's fame and live for a heavenly fortune. Only try to get God's approval and know that your success is tied to your obedience, not in your worldly achievements. So when you live in America, this can be especially difficult as we must continually resist the pull of the American dream and resist the pull of consumerism. But it's our call. It's the only way we'll find life. We must get out of this race for trinkets and fame and success and embrace the life of love and sacrifice. If you're in this race of life, if you're just trying to get enough stuff to make yourself feel better, I just pray this morning that you would decide to jump out of that race this morning. I pray that you would decide to say, God has my back. I don't need these things to satisfy me. Instead, all I need is Jesus. So God is calling us this morning into this life of complete devotion to him and to put to death the things that compete for our hearts. I love what J.R. Edwards says in his commentary. I'll throw the quote up there. It says this one, Confronted by the call to discipleship, disciples do not have a both and choice, both Christ and their own lives. They stand before this either or choice. The claim of Jesus is a total and exclusive one. It does not allow a convenient compartmentalization of natural life and religious life of secular and sacred. The whole person stands under Christ's claim. The call to die Is not just a call, though, to suffering and obligation, but it's actually a call to experience the abundant life that Jesus promises us in John 10. So, my second point this morning is this, and just let that quote kind of frame the rest of this talk. The second point is this when we die, we truly start living. So we talked a lot about death this morning, a very cheery message after Thanksgiving. I know that you're still full from Thursday, and you're thinking, I just wanted to get through church. I know this is a really intense message, uh, but there is a good part to dying, right? Like, when we die to ourselves, when we die to our desires, when we die to just uh, seeking out comfort, sin in the world, uh, that's where we find life. That's where we start to actually live. You know, Christianity is truly, the message of Christianity is that you'll find life at the end of yourself you find life when you get to the end of yourself. So Mark eight thirty-five says this, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but, wh- but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. So when you lose your life, when you give it up, when you die to self, you actually gain your life. If you try to save your life by just living in a self-centered world, by being enslaved to sin and pursuing the world's treasures, then you're going to lose your life. And your ending will not be glorious, but you'll get exactly what you wanted, right? Because you wanted yourself. You wanted to just live in this self-centered world. And that's really what hell is. It's, a, it's this place without God. It's this place where it's all about just you and being just wrapped up in all your own desires and wants. And that never satisfies you. So it's this eternity of trying to be satisfied, but you're not. And you're without God. That's really what you want. Because you just want to live for yourself. You don't want to live for God. But this morning, I just want to call you to, to actually want to live for God. To, or to want to live for him. And when you do, you're going to find joy in this life because he's the only one who can satisfy you. But then also, you're going to get eternal life. You won't have to have an eternity without God. If you decide now that you want to live for God and put your own, or put your own agenda aside for the greater agenda, if you decide to get caught up in God's story instead of your own, then you're going to find this abundant life, this joy, this meaning, this purpose, the life that you were designed to live. I love what David says in Psalm 16. I love this verse. So let's just kind of ponder on this this morning. It's so good. It says, you make known to me the path of life, and you fill me with joy in your presence, and with eternal pleasures at your right hand. David says, God makes known to me the path of life, and he fills me with joy in his presence. And that's what it is. When you deny yourself, then you live in God's presence. Because It's way less of you and more of Jesus. Or Jesus gets to have more reign in your life. You get to live in his presence. And in that place, you're going to find joy. And in this spot, you'll only find joy, but you'll find eternal life. When we die to ourselves, sin in the world, and decide to follow Jesus, that's where we begin to live. But how do we get our hearts in this posture where we can put to death all these things? Because I struggle on my own if I'm just trying to do it on my own. Like, I'm going to put this to death. I'm going to put myself To death, I'm going to put sin to death, I'm going to put the world to death inside of me. If I just do it because I'm trying harder, it doesn't work out. So the third point answers that question, and it's this we can only truly die when we grasp the love that caused Jesus to die for us. If we want to be able to get to this place where we can finally take a breath and say, I'm going to die to myself. I'm done seeking out my own fame. I'm done seeking out my own success. I'm done just living in my own world. But instead, I'm going to give it to Jesus. The only way we're going to be able to get to that place, the only way we're going to be able to loosen our grip on our lives and surrender them to Jesus is when we know just how deep and wide and great his love is for us. When we know that he loves us, when we know that he wants the best for us, and when we know that our lives are safe in his hands, then we're free to say, Jesus, I'm all yours. I'm all yours. We can't get there just by trying harder, but instead we have to have God's love truly penetrate our hearts. We have to truly understand the cross. We have to truly understand the incarnation, that Jesus came to earth to live as humans, to get caught up in this place where we're dealing with suffering and sin and death. Jesus came to this place, and he decided to live among us and to die for the death that each of us should have died just because he loves us, just because he wants eternity with us. When that gets inside of us, then we can give up our lives and we can say, God has my best in mind. I don't have to worry about my life. I don't have to try to figure everything out, but instead I can give it to God because he's way better than I am and he cares way more about me than I care about myself. So God's going to take care of me. That's the only way we can get there. So about six years ago, I really struggled. I mean, I still struggle, but I really struggled with this idea of living my life for Jesus and of truly surrendering my life to him. I I had this idea in my head that I wanted to be a Christian. I wanted to be the good kid. I was in high school at the time. Uh, But no matter how hard I tried, this insidious urge would just just rise up within me and myself would always win the day. No matter what it was, I feel like I could never put Jesus first. I felt like I could never uh, truly live my life for him. You know, I did really well in school and it was a big a big idol in my life so I would always put academics before Jesus like you know academics I had to get my homework done do all this stuff before I would even consider going to youth group or you know you know spend time with Jesus I never spent time with Jesus in high school let's be honest but but academics came first and and I also got into the party scene a bit and I was just you know seeking out the satisfaction in that place and and I didn't deny myself because I thought that if I did then I would miss out on something I thought if I denied myself in the area of academics and I gave that to Jesus, then I wouldn't get the scholarships that I needed. God wouldn't take care of me. I thought that if I didn't go to the parties or to the parties, then I wouldn't feel satisfied inside. I thought that I needed to go seek out my satisfaction for myself. I thought that I had to get my whole life in order and figure it out myself. And I wanted a ticket to heaven. I wanted to be a Christian, but didn't really want to surrender my life to Jesus in the here and now. So for me, like that quote said, I was truly pursuing this life of both and. I was trying to live for myself and trying to be a Christian, and I was deeply, deeply dissatisfied. But the thing I realized, and it kind of brought me to the end of myself, is that I realized that doing my own thing and trying to follow Jesus just does not work. It doesn't work. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. That does not go well with just trying to do everything yourself and trying to live your life the way that you want to live it. That doesn't fit. You can't do both. Christianity, is an either-or religion. You don't get to have other gods. You don't get to have other things that are competing for the affection of your heart. You have to give yourself wholly to Jesus. So what changed things for me, though, was when I encountered the God of love. I knew who God was. I knew about the cross, but, but I came to this moment where I came to the end of myself. I just felt so uh, deeply uh, just unworthy before God. I didn't think he could ever forgive me, but in my lowest spot, God's presence met me there. And he told me that he loved me no matter what I could ever do. And that love just just began to burn inside of me. And I said, I cannot continue to live my life in this way where I do whatever I want. Instead, I have to follow Jesus. I have to submit to his authority. And the thing I've found since I've done that is that I've truly found my life. I've truly stepped into the life that God's called me to live. And I just feel like there might be someone this morning that's here. And you've been trying to do both like I did. You've been trying to... To be a Christian, you come to grace every Sunday, but, but throughout the week, you kind of do what you want. And that's not going to lead to joy. That's not going to lead to satisfaction. That's not going to lead to living God's will for your life. And I just want to push on you a little bit this morning and challenge you to give up those things that are preventing you from being all that God's called you to be. challenge you this morning to surrender to him and then say, I'm giving it to Jesus because he cares about me. Because if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, but you don't get the truth that God loves you enough where you can surrender your life, and you're probably not a follower of Jesus. You know, the love of Christ has probably not permeated your heart because when you become a follower of Jesus, your heart gets regenerated. You are called a son or daughter of God and things change inside of you. You get a new heart and a brand new spirit. And if you're not living any different than before you became a follower of Jesus or before you prayed a prayer, then maybe you need to reevaluate and say, God, have I really tasted your love? And I pray this morning that his love would change you, that it would compel you to put to death those things that are preventing you from being who God's called you to be. And if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, but you've been struggling with sin, I want to encourage you this morning, get back to your first love. Get back to that. Get back to this idea that that God loves you infinitely, that he could never love you more or less than he does right now. Get back to that truth and let that permeate your spirit. You know, consider the worst thing you did this week. Consider that thing. God loves you the same in that moment, the same way that he does right now when you're in church doing a good thing. God does not change his mind about you based upon your performance. And allow that love to compel you to be different. Allow that love to free you up this morning. And allow it to cause you to die to yourself. If I could have Jocelyn just come up and play in the background for me here. We're gonna close here. So in summary this morning, to be a disciple of Jesus. We have to renounce the things that separate us from God. It's, it's just not an option. It's not. Jesus says, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. So this morning, I challenge you to just consider right now, what are those things that are separating me from God? So maybe it's greed this morning. You know, maybe you just really struggle with greed, and it, Like money is a huge God for you. And this morning, I want you in your spirit to say, I renounce greed. I want you in your heart to say, I renounce greed, and I choose generosity. You know, maybe this morning uh, you've been putting your personal aspirations, your own idea of a good life and what you're called to do above what God's called you to do. Maybe you haven't been obedient to God's call in your life. And this morning, I challenge you to say, Jesus, whatever you want me to do, I submit to that. Or maybe you are living in isolation. Maybe you don't live in biblical community. You come to church on Sunday, but that's it. That's the only type of Christian community you have. This morning, I want to challenge you to reject isolation to reject that idea of just living for self and just just not letting anyone in. And instead, choose community. Maybe you've been struggling with sexual sin. This morning, I know it's hard to get out of that. something I struggled with big time before I was a follower of Jesus. I encourage you this morning to say, I renounce that. That does not have to have reign over my life. I'm going to bring people into my circle and share my struggle with them. I'm going to get this sin out. I'm going to repent of it, confess of it, and find freedom. I challenge you into that this morning. If we wish to follow Jesus, we have to give everything to Him and truly allow Him to lead us. Not just be a Sunday Christian and not just be a Christian who's trying to get uh, presence from God and trying to get a ticket to heaven, but instead we have to truly follow God. And doesn't mean you won't have joy, does it doesn't mean you won't enjoy the good things in life, but it means that you have to allow Him to guide and to lead you. And as you do this, I promise that you'll find abundant life. So this morning, let us ask ourselves do we want to be disciples of Jesus? Do we want that life? Because it's the road of self-denial. Do we want to be a member of his kingdom? Do we truly want to be a Christian, which in the early church meant that you were willing to give up your life for it? Do we really want to be that? Before the foundation of the world, Jesus saw each of us. He knew every thought you'd ever think. You know, I think about that. If I put all my thoughts on the screen, I'd be running out of here, because that's scary. You know, Jesus sees all your thoughts he sees every desire you have. He sees every sinful desire you have. He sees all the good and bad. He sees all the decisions you make. He sees all the times that you choose the world over him. And in the midst of that, he says, I love you. In the midst of that, he says, I'm going to come out, you know, think about for eternity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, enjoying community and love and service for all of eternity. They're perfectly sufficient in themselves. But Jesus decides to come out of that. He decides to, to come to earth and to live as a baby. And to live the human life, to have all the temptations that each of us had, to deal with suffering, to deal with the death of his loved ones. You think about John the Baptist, one of his uh, good friends, his cousin, you know, he got his head cut off. He dealt with this stuff. He dealt with the same stuff that each of us deal with, you know, loss and, and strife and pain. He dealt with all of that. And then he had the worst pain of all, being put on a cross, being crucified, and having to be separated from his Father's presence just so we could live. And then it gets better. He comes back and he defeats death sin, hell and the grave all for us I pray that that story would not become just something that you've heard before but I pray that that story would be what you position in your life and I pray that you'd say I'm going to get caught up in that story and I'm going to follow the way of Jesus and give up my life for others and give up my life for God and to surrender to God and to give everything to him and say that I've tasted the ferocity of God's love and that's causing me to go all in and all out for him I pray that you would jump into that this morning pray that you would follow him no matter what it costs you this morning. All right, so let us pray this morning, and then I'll have Pastor Nick come up. God, I thank you for your spirit. God, I thank you that you call us into this hard life, but you promise to be with us in the midst of it. God, I thank you that you call us to die to the things that actually destroy us. God, I pray this morning that each of us could find freedom from the things that entangle us, and each of us surrender ourselves to you. And God, I pray that if there's someone in here this morning who just feels condemned or feels like they could never measure up to you, God, I pray that your love would fill them right now and that you would tell them that there's nothing that they could ever do to separate them from your love. God, I pray that that truth would change us this morning. God, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Dan. We can clap for Daniel.
0: You know what a what a good jeez! Uh, Daniel is uh, nothing if not thorough and theologically astute. I love him. You know, when I was uh, in Bible college and a very earnest, probably eighteen-year-old, I was reading Fox's Book of Martyrs, which is what I do for fun. And uh, I remember, like, kind of crying in my bed. I was my had a, I was in a bunk bed, and my uh, my roommate was above me. He was probably smoking cigarettes, and. Uh, And I remember going, Jesus, uh, I'll die for you, just like these people, just like these people in this book that I was reading. I I would gladly die for you. And uh, I I just felt God kind of quietly say to me, how about you just live? How about you just live for me? Maybe that's a better option. And I thought, but that's harder (laughs) in a way. In a way it is. In a way it is. But my prayer and, uh, for you is that you take Daniel's message to heart today, that you would learn to live uh, a life that, uh, where you die to yourself, where you die to your own desires, wants, and needs, and you step rather into the life that God has for you, a life that's full of joy and light and life, but it might look slightly different than the one you had envisioned for yourself. All right? Amen. Go today in the grace and in the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ.